key. But Lorraine lost the key. She's misplaced the key. And I just wish, I just wish. Anyway, I'm just hanging out by myself in the bathroom. Yeah, your honor, this is what I wrote to Bob Iger at Disney, what I wrote to Bob. I said, hey, I think there needs to be another Cars movie, and I got a pitch for you. This one involves a cool car named Blinky. He's got cool big old eyelashes like you see, like you see on the road. And he, he's just showing all kinds of new tricks to Mater, and Mater's skidding around the lot. And the whole, the whole, the plot, the real linchpin of the plot is that Mater's little Hook swings as he passes Luigi's place. See, Mater's too too focused on the ball sack that he's got hanging from his tailgate now. He's got a big ball sack hanging. He's so proud. He's so cool. He thinks he's so cool. He's back yeah. from Japan. And he just he's just whipping around Luigi's place. And what happens is like the the hook it swings independently from Mater's turn and just whacks Luigi right in the headlights. Yeah, Luigi's like slow rip- down, slow down. Stop, stop, but it's all, you know, it's all in Italian. You know, and Mater couldn't, he can't Mater understand Mater can't it. understand Italian. He just rips his head right yep. off, clean off. That hook on his, on the tow truck, it just rips <laughs> Luigi's head right off. And little Guido, poor little Guido, sees it everything. <laughs> little Guido just sees it all. And Mater doesn't even know he did it. Mater, Mater, he's going so fast, he whips Luigi's head off and just keeps going. So Mater didn't find out till about Act Three of the movie that he killed Luigi, and Guido has to tell him. But like Lu- the thing, Mater doesn't understand little Guido. No, no, no one does, <laughs> except Luigi, because he speaks some. Also, he's bilingual, trilingual. He speaks that language. A little beeps and hoots and honks. honks and, a little honks and horns. Hollers. Hoots. Also, it turns out, by the way, just for the re- just for the record, Luigi didn't actually die. He just became a convertible. Now Luigi's actually fine, and that's why it's, that's why I was like Bob. That's why it's a kids' movie, Bob. Bob, and he wouldn't listen to me. He wouldn't listen. Yeah, he didn't listen to anything I said. And then I asked, "Okay, well, have you seen the key?" And he said, "No, what key?" You know, he was coy. He was playing coy. Clint, a customer has entered the entered the the store. I I can't listen to the store anymore. I got to go help the customer over here. So I got to. Would you shut up for one second, Mark? This is not. Not every fucking thing is about you, okay? I, I have more to the story I had to tell you about. You interrupted. You're always interrupting. I'm just trying to go on my lunch break and, like, support the police. Well, just get out of here. Just get out of here and go support the troops, whatever. Sticker on your bumper. I like to wear yeah, t-shirts that have uh, flags that I agree with on them. Yeah, he's got, like, a, one little little thin blue stripe. He's, that's, I gotta hate this. I hate... Oh. I hate you, Mark, but I love you. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go eat some chicken on my lunch and um so right. could you just unlock the front door, please? Cause it's still locked from the inside. Only, only if you agree to think about the car story that I've told you while you're at Burger King. I don't I mean like as far as like to like take away like Just a life to take away like a life le- like a life lesson. You want me to yeah. like take away like sort of like a parable type thing? If you agree to that that you will do that, yes, I will unlock the door. All right, yes, I will I agree I agree to that. I will think about it in terms of an Aesop parable while I eat make, my chicken tenders. You make me blush. Shoot. Hey everybody. Welcome to the show. 
I like that you remember that shoot is the scene shoot. for old Clint. Shoot. Um, hey, everyone, shoot. that was just that was just some fun. We'll have a little gag. Have a little gag there. Mike, you got a little drink over there. What are you, what are you doing? We haven't, we haven't done that in a while. That segment. Remember that segment? Uh, early COVID? Early COVID segment? What are you, what are you drinking? Oh, what are you that drinking? One? Yeah. Because we were all getting drunk early COVID. This is just a little bit of uh, Four Roses small batch bourbon. And I thought it would be nice to enjoy a little bit of the brown liquor while we talk about um, one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time today and who has completed the final bye-bye. And so, you know, unless there's like some scenario where he's going to get paid a lot of money, we probably won't ever see him in the ring again, maybe. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't die. He, the big bye bye made it sound real sad. That's what his. That's what his goodbye tour event was called. Was the final bye bye. You know, I know a lot about Great Muda. I've paid attention to his whole career, so I knew that. I already. I was just. I knew it was called that. You knew I've that already. I've researched everything about Muda. So. All right. Let's let's. But before we talk about the Great Muda slash Keiji Muto, we got to remind everybody that my name is Mike. Bo, what are you drinking, Bo? What are you drinking? You're drink. I saw you're drinking water. It's boring. Well, Nobody wants to well, hear about well, that. They didn't know. Now they know. And my name is Bo. You're such a child. And the show that features you is <laughs> Tope Susina. The wrestling can be, and it's how Bo gets his little feelings hurt sometimes. Listen here. I have something to say real quick. Okay. I was sitting on my couch at 125, right? My little alarm goes off. That alarm says, hey, set up your recording stuff because we're going to record soon. And as soon as I say that, my blinds are open at the time. As soon as I say that, guess who fucking rolls up? Guess who fucking rolls up? Todd. Todd. <laughs> my property owner in his big old Mercedes van thing he bought like a year ago. Yeah. He doesn't do his trailer anymore. He just puts everything in this big van that I wish I had. I wish I had this van. Right. But but anyway, he's here again. I got one day off yeah. from the snow. One day from that snow. He's here like clockwork every time we record. And also, my neighbor's doing carpentry out there. So I want everyone to know if you hear in the mix uh, him doing sawing. Because I send you that Marco Polo. You you know the one I sent you. The so if you might hear that in the background, you might hear Patrick <laughs> and or whatever if, building, and if we building do, an arc. If you do hear it in the background, then you'll hear us singing along to the horrible whine of that power drill it'll, or whatever it, it is. It'll just be you because my I have noise canceling on, so I won't be able to hear it, but you'll hear it. Oh, with great, the mic. So if, great, if okay. I hear you doing yeah. that, I know something's happening. That's great. I'll mimic the pitch. That'll give us the key, and then you'll <laughs> sing off me. Perfect. Great. But no, it's been, this is week, week four. The remodel, it's a, it's a big one. It, it, there doesn't, you told me there doesn't appear to be anything wrong with the unit next to you. No, the blinds are up, windows are open, and it looks great in there. So I don't know what. <laughs> he was drilling that solenoid for like eight hours yesterday, so I don't know what he was doing. My but dentist anyway, wants to give me a crown. Where? On a tooth. Oh, not a cool one? Not like no, no, not like a King of Hyrule type situation, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, Michael's here, King of the Dentist Appointments today. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sit in the chair, buddy, it's your throne. They you treat you like that. invented the like crown 36? of thorns? What, what Roman dick was like, hey, you know what? Like, 
this, uh, like, don't get me wrong. Hey, listen, I know we crucify a bunch of people every week, but let's spice yeah. this one up. Let's do a crown do you, of thorns. Do you think God being omniscient, omniscient and yeah. all knowing and alpha and omega and God, God, do you think God knowing that in the future, God's they're going to kill their kid? Jesus yeah, right. Christ. Yeah. So and said, God said, you know, what would make that super metal is if Jesus had a thing, a Fucking crown, of, crown thorns. of thorns. And so on the second day, he invented thorns. It's like these are going to come into play in a while. Later you guys aren't going to understand them right now, but you're going to thank me later. Adam and Eve are trying to like get grapes oh, or something. They prick their fingers like, oh, what oh, are these wow, for? God, you don't why? know yet. You don't know yet. That's what's but... called a turn in the second act, my friends. <laughs> that's that's uh, God was the original M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Hey, like speaking of M Night, a knock, a knock at the cabin. That movie, very good, coming to HBO Max pretty soon. I recommend watching it. Okay, that's it. I'll take that under advisement. Did we did we ever watch? Because uh, uh, I say we, and what I mean by we is you. Did you ever watch the beach that makes you old? Did you watch that yet? No, but so I listened to. So I'm, I'm part of Comedy Bang Bang World, CBB World. It's it's, it's Comedy Bang Bang's a paid podcast subscription. Mm-hmm. So they do paid shows. There's one called Scott Hasn't Seen, where they re- watch movies that Scott Ackerman hasn't seen, and one of them was the movie Old, and they didn't like it like as a like the dialogue was bad. The plot was silly, but like as a, a study of all the different types of scenarios of what would happen if you aged rapidly. Yeah. Each character goes through different, like uh, almost a look at this is what would happen realistically. If this were to happen. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah. Well, I mean like if you had a disease, this is how fast right. it would. Yeah. If you had to Benjamin grow, button it or, uh, well, or a bicentennial but, man, it or, uh, meet Joe black it. I was going to say Buttonham and Benjamin it because it's backwards, but that's, I don't know. That's bad. Um, but Actually, I think that said, was one of the better things you've ever said on the show. Cool. Thanks. Benjamin Scott Buttonet. was like, mm. Scott, Scott Ackerman. Jack, basically, if you had to jack it. That's what. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to. If you had to. <laughs> if you didn't have if a you choice. Had to. You didn't have a choice. Gun you know, to your head. And God <laughs> said, you know what? You're, you're going to have to jack it. Yeah. You're after jacket. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and here's here's the thing. That's when the thorns come into play. <laughs> God damn it, God, you scoundrel! Oh man. Okay, so I have a question for you. I was watching before the show mm-hmm. while I was sitting on my couch waiting for the alarm to go off yeah. and for my property owner to show up and yeah. drill into the wall for nine hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was watching every Sunday Ethan Page's toy hunt vlog where he goes and does a toy hunt. Yeah. They're talking about wrestling figures. I didn't really have a lot of wrestling figures growing up, but I know you did. Yeah. Did you have what's called, now they call it a figure fed, where you had your own little federation between all your figures and they wrestled each other? Did you have any of that? No, I think I was, I mean, I was obsessed with just recreating the WWF. Like I didn't have any other other figures all my figures came from somewhere between 1988 and 1992 i would say yeah so they were the smaller uh what the hasbro figures the coolest ones the coolest figures of all time the yeah. one the, not the big rubbery ljn ones that, that was like your generation's wrestling figure mine was yeah. a few years later 
And um, so they were all WWF figures, and I had a WWF ring, still have it, and I was just obsessed with, uh, like, making matches in the WWF and trying to make it, like, as realistic as possible. So you were, like, you are playing the part of a cover band and not really... Yes. You just, you had, as a kid, you didn't have it... All your imagination went into your drawings of wrestlers, not really your federation of figures. Yeah. That was more recreation. Yeah. It was, I think it was, was a, your... it was a way for me to try and derive order in a chaotic system. Like, I think I noticed that life was yeah. chaotic, uh-huh. like inherently chaotic and painful as like an eight year old. And so yeah. Yeah. I yeah. thought the W, but the WWF yeah. makes sense. I also, so you said you noticed in your life, I've noticed in this podcast that a lot of stuff in your life <laughs> falls into that category feeling like I can control this. <laughs> I have control here. It's like three things has happened over the course of the podcast yeah. where you brought that exact like yeah. this is why I like this because it was better than my divorced parents <laughs> is what is what you <laughs> It's like I had it a big always- scale out and I was like divorce and then <laughs> <laughs> divorce and stepfather who hates me or her or whatever this is over basketball basketball has rules man you know basketball uh dad forgot my birthday or recreate flair and sting with these figures no you had the wwf figures you didn't have any did i guess yeah i guess wcw wouldn't have had the cool mattel figures would they because that was a wwf Right, yeah, Prod- Mattel, that, that was Mattel. it, right. Uh, or, Has- or Hasbro, which one was it? Mattel I can't Hasbro? remember it. I think it was Hasbro. I think they're Hasbro figures. Okay. Uh, okay. But, no, I was obsessed with uh, having, because Ho- I had the, the, there were a couple different Hogan figures, but mine was the one that you could hold people above your head, and then they would, it would, his arms would fling down. His hands were like His this. hands were open like that, so I would try like and, I would put Andre up on Hogan and try and get Hogan to like fling him out of the ring. That's cool. It was cool. The warrior, the ultimate warrior figure I had was the one where he was just standing like this, like, like arms akimbo. And then you could press a thing on, on his back and he would do the rock. He would rocket launch. But the thing is, is that his shoulders would drop. And so he had this little tiny skinny, uh, geometrical neck that would appear. And then you let it go and he'd go, boing. I hate I hate that. I hate that almost as much as the Ninja Turtle toys, the mutation ones, where you could fold them into their own shell to make them look like baby turtles that crawled on four four legs. Yes, creepy. But then when you put them together as a Ninja Turtle, they have this huge shell. Huge all shell. The body parts are in there. Amazingly large shell. I, I think I might actually have one it. of those figures. They're the worst. <laughs> We're gonna. We gotta. One of these days, we gotta go because I got them in storage now. We gotta go through all my turtle figures and see what actually what I have, which figures they are, and whether any of them are actually valuable. I I would love to do that because I don't really have anything. I have like a shoebox now. Yeah. That that in that box that my mom sent last year that we that I went through. We went through my report cards. We talked about that on the show. Yeah. Um. In that box, but. It's not, it's newer turtles that I bought in college. Like just uh, when they re re released them, I was like, I'm, I'm, yeah, you were in college and you were like, this is what I need to do is buy Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I went to Walmart and bought turtles, but all the ones I grew up with, my parent, my mom, we did had a garage sale and I I was an unfortunate 
uh, you know, victim of, of a garage sale of selling all my toys going into seventh grade because you're a seventh grader now. You don't need these anymore. Heartbreaker. The worst, because I had so many Ninja Turtles. Jeez. So many. But we could have had battles now. We could. We Yeah, I do. I still have. This is not. But this is not an original. Right. I had this one. Yeah. Triceratron, everyone, that you can't see it. And I had to buy this up Etsy two years ago mm. for $24. <laughs> but now you've got your Triceratron. For $24, I have my Triceratron. $24 so. Triceratron. Well, you know, um, nothing gold can stay, and letting go is good, and at some point I'll probably let go of mine, but I think an accounting, if I know anything about myself, a good accounting of anything really gets me up in the morning. So I think that we'll have to do that with my Ninja Turtles before it's all said and done. Did we finish your art book? We didn't, and actually, now that you brought it up... Is it nearby? It's time for Mike's art corner, everyone. Guys, this 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 wasn't planned. Let me just look through and see where we left off. If you want to say, ooh, I see that one. Don't let me see that one. Some really <laughs> good whole, ones here. Okay, that's a whole page of Bundy, is what I now. Just I saw. believe we left off on Rowdy Roddy Piper. Do these ever get start getting horny? Like when you get the attitude era, you're still kind of drawing your notebook as like a teenager. You're kind of horny. You're like drawing Sable. You know, it's funny that you should mention that uh-huh. because I'm going to give, I'm going to show you this one. Okay. And you're going to tell me if you've seen it before, because I would say this is definitely my horniest drawing. Okay. Okay. Here we go. This is by Mike, eight years old, 1994. So this is Rowdy, Roddy Piper, right? Yeah. It says, it says Roddy Piper, R-O-W-D-Y Piper. And he's just got a nice set of cans. <laughs> And he's blonde as like Ric Flair blonde. Like the, the the marker color yellow is his hair. Yellow. And he's just got. Can I ask a question? Just some <laughs> knocker. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Leave that open. Yeah. Is Stacy home? She's not. Damn it. I know. <laughs> I wanted to ask uh, the, the opinion, Stacy's opinion on. Uh, Rowdy's rockin' tits. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll yeah. gra- I'll grab the opinion when she gets yeah. home. I'll grab yeah. it with both hands, uh-huh. two big handfuls of opinion, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll see what she thinks of this set of jugs. Yeah, and I'll yeah. relay it to you uh, via text. Next, Actually, next if you want, you can even text Stacy the question. Stacy will text you back. Screenshot that. I'll have it for the show. <laughs> okay, great. Just so we have the exchange. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's a good. I love. I love Mike's comic corner or drawing corner. We'll have to come back to that in the future in person. Are you asking right now? He's I'm taking gonna, a photo. I'm gonna ask right now. We might. Yeah, we're gonna get the exchange while on program. <laughs> okay, so gonna, that's great. I'm gonna send a couple different images here. All right. One's going to be a wide shot. Okay. And then one's going to be a nice bust shot here. By the way, everyone, if you want to see this rockin' pair of tutus, uh, you'll want to check us out on Twitter and Instagram. That's at Tope Suicida Pod. That's the handle. Uh, that's where you're going to find all of our silly make ups that we put on the World Wide Web, uh, including 
everyone's favorite segment, which I believe is coming up in just a little while, is at Shithouse. You'll get to see those. If you want to send us an email, uh, that's topesuicidapod at gmail.com. And if you want to get a hold of Bo Rosser and his villainous mustache that he twirls from time to time, you're going to do that at Bo Rosser. That's his handle. Everywhere you want to be. All right, just going to send... Even places you you don't want to be, like TikTok. You don't really want to be there, but you're there, and I'm there, too. I'm just going to send these along. I'll just start a group text. Oh, great. I can't wait. While Mike is typing out that last part of the question, I also have a question for him in his own voice. Now it's time to say who you really like. Who do you think is the neatest tights? Who would you pay to see pretend to fight? Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite wrestler? That's the question I had for you in your voice. So tell me right now on episode 174, labeled The Great Muda. Did we tell, did we say that? <laughs> yeah, we did. We People know it's about Muda. Yeah. They know. I think so. They know. I was just saying 174 about Great Muda because originally this episode was 170 or 169. It just kept getting pushed. But hey. On this episode, Mike, who's your favorite wrestler? Favorite wrestler this week is someone we, I haven't seen in a while and wish that I had and wish that I could see more of him on AEW television. That's pretty Peter Avalon. Yeah, he's looking good. I, I know you were, you were kind of like, where does hair, hair go? But he's, Devastated he, by that loss of the mane. He does look great, though, with that with the, the, the uh aviator sunglasses he's got a bomber jacket on yeah he didn't have that on when he got spiked by chris jericho in his danger suit murdered it by the danger suit the judas effect what if lance archer came to the ring in that suit jericho's danger suit it would be fine but i feel like it would be it would be super easy to get away from someone who was wearing the danger suit because (laughs) it's really difficult for them to move when you build the danger suit, you don't want to put spikes on the inner thigh. But there were spikes on the inner thigh. <laughs> there were spikes everywhere. And Pretty Peter got the right in the back of the dome, one of those spikes. But uh, I do, I, I agree with you. I wish I could see more Pretty Peter. Yeah. I wish I could see more of the Hunk Squad in general. So J.D. Drake really doesn't wrestle with them anymore. When I see him now in, like, darker, darker elevation, it's with... Uh, his tag buddy that we saw, Blackwood, as the work horseman. Right. But the three of them, uh, Pretty Peter, Dolph Ziggler, and... <laughs> baby baby uh, Ziggler. Baby Ziggler, and, and, and our big uh, eats everything stim and all. Cesar Bonone. They come out. Cesar has also cut his hair and only has a tiny mustache and tiny trunks as well. And they look... They just look like a threesome of just sexiest, the sexiest men alive. Cesar always had short hair, dude. Did he? Yeah. No, I think he shaved his head. He did something. Okay. Or buzz it. He changed his head. <laughs> hey, All why'd right? you change your head, bro? Hey, why'd you do that? Um, that's a good pick. Thanks. I, you remember that video I sent you of Pretty Peter coming out at a prestige wrestling show in California? With his stripper partner, with with their stripper gimmick, and yeah, they, they they stripped to their song all four minutes of it, yeah, before the match starts. Yeah, that was when Peter was the tiniest man in the world. Yeah, that uh, well, that was the beginning of the growth period because that was last year. Oh, okay, all right. But he hasn't really been on TV. But when he popped out on Dynamite, he looked 
for for Peter, huge. He was popping. Him in like Orange Cassidy these days is also fucking huge. Have you seen from from Orange Cassidy's pecs to his back? Look how how much depth there is. Yeah, in muscle he's looking good. Days. Orange is looking it's good. Re- he's getting a big boy. He's ripe. He's 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 ready to be squeezed. Who's your favorite wrestler? My favorite wrestler is because of good old JR on Rampage. Okay. My favorite wrestler, I have not seen wrestle in f- six months. My favorite wrestler is part of a group called, what are they called? The House of Black. <laughs> My favorite wrestler is Julia Hart. And uh. here's why. Because on Rampage, I don't know if you've watched it, but they're starting the program where the elite is going to be fighting House of Black for right. this trio's belt. Right. That's just starting. It's in its infancy. They interrupted them again on Rampage. This time they were around the ring and Julia Hart's hard cam. So you just see the back of her head and her cool Undertaker large brim hat that she's wearing these days. Right. And the other guys are on the other sides of the rings. But JR's just like, oh, the House of Black's here. The House of Black, Julia Hart. Julia Hart, she's a Jezebel. She's a little rascal. <laughs> That's why I'm choosing. Mm. Julia Hart, because she's she's a little res- Jezebel rascal. She's a Jezebel rascal. Yeah, I, I just love that. That's Jr.'s like, his go-to, like, when he's offended by the heel lady. She's always a Jezebel. She's always a Jezebel. Even Jezebel. if, like, yeah. they're not doing anything to be bad. <laughs> they're just automatically a Jezebel. Jr., it seems just, like you call everybody a Jezebel. Because of those, that line, I said, you know what? Julia Hart has been my favorite wrestler once. I do remember that because of a match she was in when she wrestled. But this time it's because of JR and him calling her a Jezebel and a rascal. I mean, look, here's the thing. She's a rascal. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any doubt that she's a rascal these days. There can be no doubt. You know, also um, blessings pour one out for the back of Julia Hart's head. Never forget the table spot. Where she just spiked Dudley'd the back of her head onto the edge of yeah. the table. <laughs> yeah, she got her butt fully destroyed the table, but then everything that was not her butt just hit. I think it did hit the guardrail. Oh, too, I thought it was the, the other. I thought it was the other Wait. way. I thought that the back of her. I thought the back out? of her head hit right, the edge right, of the right, table. Right, 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 like yeah. spike. <laughs> Didn't go back far in the enough. day. Pour one out for Spike Dudley. If you remember watching Monday Night Raw in like 2003 and Rene Dupree and Rob Conway, I believe, uh, picked up Spike over the top rope and threw him to the floor, supposed to be through a table. And a very small parts of Spike Anatomy did go through the table. Congratulations if you remember that moment, because we I can assure you Spike does not remember that moment. Spike remembers like <laughs> one third of his life at this point. <laughs> yeah. Poor yeah. Spike. Oh. Uh... Great, well, great picks, pick. great picks Look all around. Us. Let's go to the, wow. let's go to everybody's favorite segment. Yes, I have one shit house for you. Mm-hmm. One beautiful, beautiful TikTok. Let me see what I have for you. I don't think I have any more feral cows this week. Well, we're, you're, uh, you'll follow up on it. You told you said you would, so we'll. I'll look. I'll check in with you in in April. Yeah. Um, okay. Here we you. go. Here's the thing. I don't have A any. Shithouse. I don't I have it. any shit houses this week. That's fine. No, I get it. That's fine. So you're just gonna have to give me yours. 
Because instead of a shit house, you've been moving house. You're on T minus two days left. That's right. I'm so close. So I don't have a shit house. I've been too busy. But the thing is, before you give me your shit house, I do have a couple of cool crimes. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just waiting for the theme song of this fucking segment. You if you want to do a crime, make sure that it's cool. No, I meant the... We no. hope that it's cool if you're doing a crime. All right. Well, here we're welcome to Cool Crimes. Uh, <laughs> first cool crime. Is this a local cool crime? This is a local it crime. Is. You got to tell me all if right. it's cool. All right. So all my video freaks out on Zoom. Because it hates my dual monitor. All right, I'm back. Here's the cool crime that Mike has presented to me. This is on K2. That's K2.com. That is our, again, ABC affiliate here in Portland. Let me just wet my whistle before Mm -hmm. I go go in. Sometimes you got to wet your whistle before you go face down in an article, you know? Thieves crash van through door of Northwest Portland bike shop to steal bicycle. Now, this is a nice... Oh, this is not the one I was thinking of. But still, it looks like a nice shop. Police are looking for suspects who crashed a van through the door of a Northwest Portland bike shop earlier Monday morning to burglarize the business. Whenever I see the word burglarize, I always think it's misspelled. The break-in at Fat Tire Farm Bicycles in Northwest Thurman Street happened just before 2 a.m. Officers say two men drove a van to the shop before stealing a bike worth $10,000 and abandoning the van nearby. Was it an e-bike? The bike shop owners say that that it's the fourth time they've been robbed in less than a year. This is a tragic story with every retailer in Portland these days. Sucks. In total, they said they lost about $75,000 worth of bikes and products. It's a big hit to a small business. Quote, we have to pay for security enhancements to or repairs. Takes a pretty big bite out of our bank accounts, said General Manager Barry O'Connor. It's making it hard for them to keep the business in town. It makes it challenging, O'Connor said. You know, I love Portland, and I don't think I would leave Portland, but it makes it really tough to want to stay here. He hopes the city leaders will do more to protect them. Last quote of the article. Honestly, I think I would like to see some kind of vision for the city. He said, I think a lot of you, you know, any activity that would that I do see from city government seems to be very reactive. I don't think there's any forward thinking or bigger picture planning going on. Hey, O'Connor agreed. So we can agree, okay? Hitting? Yeah. Uh, just a dude that has his small bike shop and just trying to, you know, make a living making his, his bike shop and everything. That's not cool. Okay. That's not a part of the crime. That's cool. But w- w- first of all, watch the little Twitter video. That's a part of the, the article. Well, anyway, all it is, is the van backing up into the front of the store. I did see that. So what these dudes did was use a car to steal a bike. Okay, they used a car as a battering ram to steal a bike that was worth ten grand, and then discarded the van. Well, they had to get the van out of there. Can't have the license plate just sitting there in the camera, you know. What I'm saying is that's a weird, like backwards, uh, flow of crime. Right, taking a car and using it to steal a bike. Because normally you'd think a car would be an upgrade over a bike, but these guys flipped the script. These guys freestyled on it. Bike. They've been scoping that bike. Like this is the ten grand bike. This is why I think it's cool. Is because it's subversive. Okay. It's unexpected, and the only way that it could be cooler is if they rode bikes through the window to steal better bikes. 
Was this a Banksy? <laughs> I don't think it was a Banksy. I don't think it was, was a Banksy. Banksy. I don't think it was All a Banksy. Right. So is it, it cool? Like a, feel, it feels like a, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool crime. It feels cool. like a Banksy. Cool. It feels like it. Cool art installation. Great. It felt, it felt pretty cool. Well, I'm glad you shared that cool crime with me. It's very cool, cool segment, cool theme song, yep. cool part yep. of the show. Okay, very one cool. more, one more crime. Oh God damn it! <laughs> I'm gonna do one more crime here. You don't think you got me? You don't think I was really convinced it was that cool a crime? Is what I think is happening. No, no, no. I just I want I don't want to lose any of these, so I got to give you a couple. All right. This this crime is a little bit different. This is this is further along on the spectrum. So this is CBS News. This is no affiliate. This is coming straight from the vine. This is the big time. New York funeral home finds woman breathing hours after she was declared dead just days after similar incident in Iowa. I didn't know there's two. I read about one of these. (laughs) 82 year old woman was pronounced dead in a New York nursing home, but found to be breathing three hours later at the funeral home where she had been taken. Authority said (laughs) the incident happened just days after a similar mishap came to light in Iowa. The woman was pronounced dead at water's edge rehab, a nursing center at Port Jefferson on long Island, 11 15 AM. Uh, Saturday, Suffolk County people say. The, the woman whose name was not released was taken to the O'Davis Funeral Homes in Miller Place at 1.30 p.m. Police said in the news release, she was discovered breathing at 2.09 p.m. He said. I love the specific... Specific... Specificity. 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 Pretty close. <laughs> I mean, it was mostly there. It was mostly right. I love how precise these times are. So here, what you have here is a crime, okay? That has been, taken place where you pronounce is it, is it as a crime it, where you where you pronounce a person dead that- who's not actually dead. I think that's a crime. I'm pretty sure that's a crime, but it's not just any crime. That's a full pre-Renaissance dark ages crime you know where where before you they knew what to check for they'd bury live people but they'd bury them with a string that was attached to a bell so you could pull on the string if you were actually alive yeah so maybe we need to go back to something like that some kind of a you know bell ringer system at everybody's plot I don't think this is a crime. I think I it's think, a pr- I think it's a crime. I, I if you're a doctor it, <laughs> and you say, in 2022 and you say, "Yeah, this person's dead." And then they say, "No, I'm not." And you say, "Sure, yes, he is. He's mostly dead. Oh, he's mostly dead, isn't he? He's mostly dead. Bring out your dead." If that's the kind of doctor said, you are, no, it says she was dead at 11:15 a.m. in Long Island. I if you are a Monty Python doctor in 2022 and you can't tell if someone's actually dead and you send them to the morgue, right? I'm pretty sure that's going to be a crime, dude. I think you have to look at the levels of hijinks involved. So the doctor was up to zero hijinks. Accident. That's how it's an zero hijinks. It's an accident. All right. So what, but what if, if someone same scenario, someone says, yeah. He calls you, hey, uh, Bo, he owes $6,000 in this credit card, and it's past due for a year now. And then the person on the phone, who is Bo, goes, oh, no, actually, Bo is dead. <laughs> Bo died, so Bo can't pay this. Like, you got to figure out someone else to call. Right. Bo's dead. Yeah. I think because of the hijinks in faking your own death makes that a cool crime. <laughs> but because there's zero hijinks from the doctor, unless the doctor and the woman are in on it and they think it's a fun prank for like tax evasion reasons. So you're saying an accident, an accident can't, an accident can't be a crime. 
a mistake can't be a crime. I didn't say that. That, that that's kind of cool what you're. Crime. That's kind of what you're saying. Can't be a cool crime. Can't be a cool crime. You try to bat me in a corner. I got you. You're. I got you on your you're. Alone. You're so. You're so Blake, grasping at straws. Blake of course, just, a mistake can be a cool crime. Of course, a mistake can be a cool crime. And I told Bob that Blinky's he's, the reason Blinky's in Radiator Springs is because <laughs> he's hiding from the state because the state's got him on. Tax, tax evasion, but it's all it's all BS. It's all bullshit. He has to pay the art tax. No, you remember that years? dude, that that uh, successful business person or journalist or whatever he was, who got on a Zoom meeting with like a, a bunch of important like business people that he's doing business with, and then started to masturbate. Yeah, that was a crime. He didn't know that he was doing it. <laughs> that was a crime. <laughs> Wait, he didn't know he was doing the crime. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. He didn't know that he was on for some for some reason he didn't he was unaware that he was on a Zoom call with people. He just thought he was he had his camera off and no one could see him and he he just that was the time he needed to get take care of himself and right. be a Robin Williams movie from 1995. Well, I get I'm trying see I'm trying to I'm trying to guess the level of hijinks in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the level of hijinks. What I'm saying is, <laughs> by the hijinks, not, the hijinks cool. metrics, it's not, that was a cool crime. It's not cool. But it's not. <laughs> it's not cool that the doctor made this mistake. But the fact that yeah. the doctor made this mistake is cool. Okay. Okay. I think from I a think macro the, standpoint, and I think from the micro standpoint, the coolest part would be that uh, this lady whose name has not been released, got a cool nap in that car ride. In a box. You know? In a box. Pro- a really, probably a comfortable box. No, probably not. Probably not. Dead. Yeah, because they're like, but well, why Comfortable enough. Care. So what happened? I'm not going to read the rest of the article. What happened? Because I don't know if they say it. Like, how did the woman come back to life? Because feasibly, the reason she was called, uh, said she was dead is because there was indicators that she was indeed dead. So what the fuck happened? Were the measurements wrong from the doctor or did the lady somehow actually come back to fucking life for some weird reason? I mean, it feels to me like higher the power measurements that we're going off of here. When you, when you reference the measurements, it's not, it's not higher power. What you're, what you're asking is one, was she still breathing? And two, did she have a pulse? If those two things were not true, then yes, she was probably dead. Do you think the doctor, mortician, or whoever was like, all right, put the, my test is I do a pulse, finger checks. So they finger check under the nose to check for the breathing, <laughs> and they check a pulse. But the doctor does it immediately, so it's just like, dead. Just touch the nose. No, I didn't feel shit. She's like, Dead. nah, it seems Zip. fine. Seems, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's old, so. She's old, 82. Anyway, cool crime? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah, I thought it would be. All right, let's see your shithouse. Mine's a TikTok. This TikTok is from K and Tay Official. Here we go. I'm going to turn up the volume here. Looks like K and Tay are in a Target and scene. Okay. We do not need a little squirrel squeezy toy. Squeezy <clears throat> toy. Mm. I mean, we could use him as like a desk toy or, yeah. Gross. Yeah. Gross. Was it a cool crime? It was kind of a cool crime, yes. 
So basically, um, uh, either K or Tay brought this inflatable squirrel toy that they found in Target, in Target, and presented it to what it seems to be the significant other, who is either Tay or K. And at first, the offer was rejected, but then it was accepted immediately upon seeing that in its resting state, the rubber squirrel squeezy toy looked like a butthole. Yeah, it's fuckable. It's a fuckable toy. It's a fuckable toy. (laughs) When it's in stationary, as you said, when it's in its resting phase or whatever you said. When it's rested, he could really get that dick in there, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's shithouse. You ever had one of those? That's the thing. A fuckable toy? Yeah, like that. Like, it's like an egg. <laughs> no. The Japanese egg? No. Have you? Like, like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a one-time use. <laughs> you put the, it's no. like you put the, you put the egg, no. you put the egg in your hand. No. And then you, Stop. you fuck that, you fuck that <laughs> egg. Stop. And then you finish the egg. Stop! <laughs> throw the egg this away. Is not. And then this you is, get the shower. This is not. This is and you cry. You cry. You're going to wash away the yolk. This is not what the show the is supposed to be. This is not why we started this show. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I wish it wasn't shithouse, but it is. <laughs> Oh, okay, great. so we're gonna watch some KG Muto matches here. We sure are. What's uh, uh, uh what year is yours from? Mine is from 1996. Cool. So mine is from 1989. So we're gonna go what we do chronologically. Uh, the match I brought for you was a WCW match. Mm-hmm. And mine takes uh, place in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Very cool. And spoiler alert, we got these off the same list from The Ringer. Yes. So thank thank you, The Ringer. Uh, I, I was actually going to do a match from 1990 that I found myself that was uh, Keiji Muto without the Muta gimmick wrestling Owen Hart. But Ooh. this one felt a little bit bigger to me. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you want that it, that match is on New Japan World, their streaming service. Um, if you just search for uh, Great Muto or KG Muto, you will find his match with Owen Hart. And I'm gonna watch that one on my on my own time. And I hope that you do too. Uh, so the match I'm bringing for us to watch, and we also hope you watch this, is on Peacock. It's uh, WCW Clash of the Champions eight. Yeah, eight. It's a tiny little notches there, and that's uh from September 12th, 1989. And that's uh, Dick Slater and the Great Muda versus Ric Flair and Sting. It's the main event of that show. Um, and I checked. It's on Peacock. Sounds like a banger. Also, we should we should point out, this is really our only touch point with the Great Muda is WCW. WCW. Muda's little run in WCW in 89, 89-90, somewhere in there. Um, and that was my only experience with the great Muda. I had no idea that he was a wrestler that just wore regular tights and was like a baby face in Japan. Honestly, all, all Japanese wrestling, my only 
as a kid was WCW. WCW. That was my only entry point. Yeah. You know, because I wasn't out there trading tapes, you know, with the perverts. No, we weren't perverts. Hey, I'll meet you over at the Quickie Mart and I'll give you Ric Flair versus <laughs> some dude. No, I'm not paying 30 bucks for that Reg Reginald or whatever your name was. My match is a little bit harder to find. You go on New Japan World and you have to search by event to find it. It's April 29th, 1996. It's 96 Battle Formation is the name of the event. It's the Great Muda versus Jinzei Shinzaki. For all you World Wrestling Federation heads out there, that's my main man, Hakushi. Uh, and if you've listened to the program for any period of time, you know how I feel about Hakushi. I love Hakushi. And so I, I really look forward to watching this match. So we're going to jump to WCW first, and then we're going to go over to New Japan. So we hope y'all do too, and we'll see you after break. Pretty, pretty, pretty good matches we had there. Wow. And I like that also. Sorry, my chair is on my cable. I like that the matches we brought, one being a tag, one being a singles match, were both so wildly different. But also being in front of a Japanese audience compared to an American audience, that was wildly different as well. But still, they both held that same fever pitch. You know? Yeah, it was like we don't have sh- we don't have shitty American audiences yet. The match in Japan, it was this, like the match itself wasn't particularly slow paced, but the crowd losing their minds was more deliberate. the The tag match in you know North Fork, Virginia, or wherever it was, those people were nine beers deep and ready to pop for the main event. But fuck Nebraska. Really. Yeah, they were oh, fucking. Lord. They were fucking they ready were, to go. They were the on mo- their feet. The moment the that this thing like disrobed, when he took the robe off, they were losing their minds. They were ready for that match. This one, well, one they were like, Sting is in a robe in general. This is amazing. This is interesting. Yeah. Um. The the second match, the match with uh, Hakushi, the crowd was very that classic, respectful, observant. Mm-hmm silent and it's a little it's it's like going from um watching a match with a good old southern wrestling audience to that yeah it was almost like the first like five six seven minutes of the match were it, it had this like weird eerie feeling to me because the wrestling was good but the the crowd reaction wasn't there like it was before there's an eerie moment in that match where Hakushi has been busted open with the signpost, right? That he brought out yeah. to the ring. Yeah. And there's blood covering his face, and they cut to an overhead shot where he's laying down, stomach first, and the blood, you can see it dripping onto the blue mat. Yeah. It's artistic, is what you said. Yeah. But there's a weird, almost fucking Stanley Kubrick style of feeling to it, because the audience, even at that moment, is not loud yet. Uh-uh. And this man is bleeding for them, and he's like a stuck pig, and they're all you hear is just in the distant background, like, <laughs> yeah, someone in the from some th- one 50, guy five hundredth row screaming paid, a name, paid three three hundred yen. 
which is like three bucks. <laughs> he made like three bucks for his chair, but you can hear him. But uh, and then because eventually the crowd does pipe up and the blood is still there and it's fine now because they're cheering. They're, they're raucous. Because yeah, the blood's happening. yeah, yeah. But it's that moment in between where it's quiet and very bloody and grotesque grotesque that it's like this is weird i love it it's almost like that japanese wrestling audience in the 80s and 90s is like it's like instead of like they'll cheer sometimes and they'll they'll get you know but it's more like you're going for gasps when you make them gasp involuntarily yeah. when you hear everybody go <gasps> uh-huh. or 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 oh <laughs> yeah you know that you're doing something right, right? You're like affecting them and you're making you're making them express emotion when they're trying their very best not to, to like yeah. show you respect. It's very cool. It's very, uh, and I love, very different than the first match. I love that the equivalent of that, because these are only separated by about four or five years, I think. The equivalent of that in America, in the first audience that we watched, is... The woman, uh, the five foot two woman in the blue polo, yeah, yeah. that's screaming at Muda, flipping him in the bird, and just in his face. The, the older lady in the banana shirt or whatever color shirt it was, it was an older lady grandma on the front row. That's like the same. It that's the same level of excitement the Japanese audience is having yes. when, when they go, oh, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. Because oh. they're both experiencing exact same amount of joy, but they're just represented in so such a different way. In a totally different way, yeah. It, it they were both wonderful, wonderful matches. That's why they're on that list, you know. That's why they're there. Very fun. My only regret was that we didn't get a replay of Hakushi getting uh, knocked off the ring apron over the guardrail and into that pile of tables. <laughs> were there even people sitting at the table? Because that was a blink and you miss it thing. I looked over at the at the slack and I looked back, and he had hit the tables. Were people there and they scattered? Yes. Or did they? Okay, okay. Yeah, people. It was like all like ring officials and shit. They were they were like <laughs> writing something down, and then suddenly a two hundred and thirty pound uh, warrior monk, undead Buddhist monk, was flying at them. <laughs> and then the demon guy, the real tall demon master man, he leaves the ring. Picks up the guy, puts him on another equally narrow table, and fucks him into oblivion. Oh, and then yeah, the pile driver on the yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. was what that was what caused the uh, the blood busted him open. No, the busted him open was. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it was the it was the, it was the funeral post. stake. Yeah, to the face. Um, the accidental fence post. What did I want to say? Oh, a- another thing about that match: the multiple attempts or the the multiple appearances of Muda's mist. Yes. The first one, he was like, this one's this one's just for free. This one's for my homies. And he just spat it in the air. Yeah. And then he tried it again in the middle of the match, and Hakushi ducked. Yeah, and then he, he did a sweet, like, jabbing uppercut. Fucking uppercut to the throat. Almost and, the way that Eddie Kingston does, like, the... I think he probably... That's why he does it. He does, like, the full fingers jab into yeah. the throat from an uppercut. Yeah, it's rules. And then finally he got him <sighs> on the counter to the powerbomb. Yeah, and that was the that was the finish of the match. It was really really great. Well, speak, uh, same thing in the fir- in the first match, the WCW match, the tag one. When the match starts, he does the same like I guess little tiny mist, tiny mist in the corner to celebrate the beginning of the match. <laughs> and then he did a blink and you miss it. I guess banana colored mist, yellow mist or something. Right yeah, it was a yellow Sting's mist. Face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I missed it. I missed it completely. You got to stop looking down at your keyboard and stuff. It's sometimes sometimes I'm just looking around. I'm trying. I got. It's hard for me to concentrate. You know that. You know that. You're like a you're like a a, a squirrel in a in a room full of nuts. Nuts. <laughs> oh, uh, so we saw we saw. Okay, count them. Five men. Six technically, because Terry showed up. Six men tonight. Yes. That can qualify for this next segment. I like to sing it in my head. Um, Mike, who... Wait, actually, no, I have a question, because the years are 1989 and 1996. Yeah. That's a swath of time. Yeah. In that swath of time. Is Macho Man booked? He's booked. Yeah, just not on. I. He might even been on that. Well, no. Okay. No, he. I don't think he was on that New Japan Pro Wrestling show in '96. Uh, I. And I know he wasn't on the WCW uh, Clash of the Champions in '89, but he was booked probably somewhere on those nights. Would so he's booked? That's awesome. Would we have seen him on these shows though? No, not on the shows we watched. Fuck. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I saw a thumbnail of him as I was getting to. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. I'm trying He's to think. If, like did the, I think about WWE a Slim Network Jim commercial headline. today? Did I think about Slim Jim? Did I see a cursory Warhorse tweet? <laughs> a couple days ago, I saw that Macho Man's rap album is apparently going to be released on vinyl. What a great gift of the passing of his brother. <laughs> for the Poffo family. Really, I need you to, if you find that link, send it to me because I need to buy that album. Yeah. yeah. I recall the cover was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's real. He's it's leaning re- against re- the No, it's real stringy macho, like a macho man wearing all black, like years after the steroids have started to ravage. Yeah. And he's like, he has like a big chain and he's like years pulling, he's like pulling at the chain. Yeah, the steroids are currently in his body plotting his demise. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're like knocking on the hard store like, hey, we're about to fuck you up. Yeah, you, you are about to be in trouble, Bonesaw. Please don't drive vehicles. Um, So he's, rest in peace, speaking of that, rest in peace, Macho. You were booked, you were alive, you were in our hearts, but you are disqualified from Tights of the Night here on episode 174, The Great Muta. Speaking of Muda, we got two Muda looks. We did. Can you explain both of the Muda looks for the audience that maybe are not really good fans and don't watch the matches? Shame on you all. <laughs> How dare you? Shame on you. No, the first one was your classic uh, Great Muda, the, 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 the look that we associate him with in the, in the most uh, formative classic sense, and it's that red on red, the red karate pants with the red face paint. And that's in red wristbands. That's about it. And red boots. And then the second match uh, was after he had won the IWGP championship at least uh, once or twice, maybe more. And he was really the the fucking man. And so Muda grew got like five feet in those six years, right? He grew like five feet because he was huge in the second match. He was huge in the second match. <laughs> he would look tiny in that first match. <laughs> it's because he's in the ring with Flair and Sting 
and Dick Slater. Uh, no, he had a Dick uh, Slater just sounds big. Yeah. <laughs> Muda had a black and gold look um, coming into that second match with a cool hood and I believe he had a, a very silver Mortal dra- Kombat. Pants. Yeah, it's a silver dragon around his shoulders. Felt like Liu Kang because he has Lu- the Liu Kang hair, right? The big, yeah. fluffy yeah. black mullet of a Japanese man of this era. Yeah, that's right. It was very, it felt more martial arts. Is that? It did, yeah. It's weird to say, but that's that's what I felt. It felt more like the 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 ring gear felt more like a ninja. Yes. I think like because, of the, because of the hood. Yes. Yeah. So Muda had two different looks. Um, and then if we look at the first match, you had Flair and Sting on one team that kind of had a black and silver, black and gold look to their robes that they wore to the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they disrobed, Flair was in this cl- just classic, like, black velvet look. They didn't match anymore, though. They didn't match. They didn't anymore. match, but that's because they they Somebody. both looked good individually, but Sting looked maybe the best that I've ever seen any wrestler look. Somebody named Steve said, hey, is... Is our good friend Randy here at the show? No, Randy's not in this company. Cool, then I'm going to have the best fucking tights on the planet. Because he looks, he looked like delicious. Is that, is that, is, is that weird? No. He looked delicious. No, he did. He looked like a Dunkaroo. Oh my God, yes. He was the icing. <laughs> his tan body was the stick. Yeah, yeah that was the root. his big old dumper. <laughs> and he dumped it right in the dunk. Was, but describe for the audience the, the scorpion the okay. set stinger on his leg. First of all, we got to talk about the hair. The bleach blonde is starting to fade, so the roots are dark, and it's just <laughs> perfect. It's the greatest hair I've ever seen yeah. on anyone. It's yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's totally a wide flat top. Totally it's flawless. Like guile. He's kind of like he looks guile. like guile. He's totally flawless. Okay, the tights themselves are sterling. Pure snow, fresh mm-hmm. powder white. Yeah, yeah. Yellow boots. Ooh. Golden boots. yellow boots. The yellowest boots you've ever seen. And then a rainbow scorpion. Just like he looked like a like like something you'd buy at the the candy store at the mall. He looked like, like a, a bullet, scorpion. a fucking bullet dipping dots. The, the scorpion's body was this delicious pastel blue. From, like, the worst 90s cupcake icing you've ever seen. <laughs> and then the stinger itself, the tail of the scorpion, was Ugh. just all the colors of the rainbow. Like, every, every like, a, like a candy rope necklace. Like, each, like, all, each like all the colors of the rainbow if it was a pack of Smarties. God, it just, I think I already said this, but his butt, just, I don't want to objectify Steve here, but his butt was doing its thing here in 1989. So maybe the best I've ever seen him look. We got Slater over there. He's in some generic honeybee <laughs> tights and we got sting over there. Like, Hey, check out, check out my stinger. He's very colorful. What a dork. Uh, but Muda's got their reds. Uh, the second match we have, uh, we tried to told Muda, but Hukushi's in his standard, his standard white, his standard. Awesome. Look. Yeah. He seems thicker right now, like a little bit more beefer. He's less toned, but still, Shit house. He's incredibly thick. And he's got all the tattoos still. White pants. White, uh, cool white belt, which he gets choked with later on. Yep. White uh, uh, wrist tape. Yep. 
He looks great though because he does get busted open. And he gets covered in blood, <laughs> like a ton, like a ton, like of blood. a ton of blood, and it was beautiful. And then we we would be remiss if we didn't mention Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club ring announcer. We forgot. I forgot completely about him. I did not. I could never forget that he was Mister Incredible from The Incredibles, shaped ass body. Because his waist was tight, but then his jacket shoulder pads were so wide. He looked like a linebacker. <laughs> the beautiful uh, uh, pauldrons on the shoulder with the golden tassels and a royal blue uh, like marching band suit. Whew. He looked cool. If he was the cool looking guy of that match, the cool guy of the other match had to have been Terry. When Terry showed up in a cowboy hat yeah. and, and half a letterman jacket or whatever. <laughs> It was like a cowboy tuxedo. It had a beautiful like embroidery on the back between the shoulders. Uh, and then, but the, it was sleeveless so that his horrible staff infected arm could breathe. <laughs> it looked like, like if you weren't in the know and didn't know he had a staff infection, you thought, was he in like an exploding barbed wire match <laughs> yesterday and his arm's been burned? Because the, the, the gauze were from his thumb, his hand, <laughs> fingers were out, so his hand all the way up to, like, his, right by his shoulder. His blade. fucking neck. <laughs> and, then he, and then he also, he hits someone with it. He fucking gives one a Larry at the back of the head. Full cast. Wow. He so, really made Slater's cast look like a real piece of shit. Yeah, truly, truly. <laughs> Slater had cast envy after that. Oh. So we had some real heavy hitters. I mean, some real contenders tonight. And that's not always the case. A lot of times we do tights no. of the night and we're really kind of grasping. And sometimes we got to give it to a fucking referee or whatever. But tonight, <laughs> we were not hurting. In, in recent history, contenders. we've had to grasp like two different episodes. We're grasping. Where the audience member got one of the refs. Tonight, that's Paul, not the... Paul Turner won last <laughs> week. Because <laughs> the goddamn them boys had Confederate flags. <laughs> Tonight, that's not the case, man. This is, no this flags. is a, a beautiful bounty of tights. A, har- a harvest the likes of which yeah, comes sting, ma- once or yeah. twice in a century. Yeah, it's Sting, though. It's definitely Sting. It's Sting. It's Sting. It's also the shock of Sting coming out in a robe that was gold and black that matched Flair. I was like, well, this is a... I've never seen a gold and black robe on the Stinger before. And then he took the robe off and revealed, oh, no, he has the most Stinger tights on I've ever seen. And also his face paint was extremely cool. It was, like, black and dark green and gold. It it looked a lot like... one yellow spot in between his eyes. That's what that was painted. It looked a lot like early road warriors face paint before they started doing their standard you know hawk had the the spiral kind of coming yeah. out the ninja star coming out of his eye and animal had the spider on his forehead they would do different stuff with their face paint it kind of reminded me of that it was really 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 cool congratulations sting you've won before i'm sure you've won again oh yeah sorry muda i know you were in both matches but you didn't wing you didn't wing what? You didn't, didn't wing. Win. Do you think it? Do you think when when Muda listens to this episode? Yeah, he's gonna hear it. And be like, God damn, Sting, fucking Sting! Fuck it's again? always Sting. Fucking again, really? <laughs> I gotta deal with this shit even in fucking retirement. <laughs> even after the final bye bye, I gotta deal with this fucking Sting shit. Every single time I'm backstage at Nitro, Bischoff comes up. Muda, Muda, I'm glad you're here. Face paint looks good. Stings looks better. 
I hate when he'd do that. Just trying to get some accolades. Just trying to get some respect put on his name and sting. Steve coming along Steve. just the nicest, just the nicest guy in the world. Anyway, congratulations, Sting. Congratulations, Muda, on your wonderful career. Yeah. You know? Truly. Um, he made a joke, said, hey, this is my last show, my last pay-per-view, this whole event that we put together. It's the last one. Pro- I, I'm not going to do one ever again. He made a, like, he was kind of making a joke tor- at Flair's yeah. expense, it yeah. felt like. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Just joking around. Muda, that's what, it's what if you want to get anything from this episode, Muda was a little prankster. You know, he's a little jokester. He was like an evil prankster, you know? Yeah. He's this prankster that will spit in your face. Spit in your face. And by the way, if you if you're not familiar with uh, Great Muda, Keiji Muto, uh, the two matches that we watched tonight are from two different kind of similar eras. But Muto's career, you know, started in New Japan, but he wrestled in all all Japan Pro Wrestling later on. He wrestled in Noah later on. I believe he was heavyweight champion in New Japan, All Japan, and Noah. And that's a very like limited amount of people that have ever done that. So he's definitely one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time. And if you don't have anything to do on a Saturday afternoon and you want to watch some good wrestling, just pretty much dial up anything that Great Mood has ever done, and you're gonna find yeah. some good wrestling. And I think this was off mic, but I was, I've been listening to the Dax podcast a lot. Right. Dax, right. FTR with Dax. Yeah. And uh, he made a great point. I agree. Like Muda is the most popular Japanese wrestler that really made an impact with fans here in the West. And uh, yeah. So like Mike said, huge catalog, find it, love it. A lot of it's on Peacock. A lot of it's on Peacock. A lot of it's on uh, New Japan World. I think All Japan and Noah both have streaming services as well. So you can pretty much find whatever Bountiful. you're looking for out there now. Bountiful. Yep. Well, if you're also looking for people like me and the and the podcast that's on social media, where can people find us? That's right. One more time for the people in the back. It's at Tope Suicida Pod. That's the handle on Twitter and Instagram. You can send us an email at Tope Suicida Pod at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to find Bo all on his lonesome out there, gunslinging in the wild west of the interweb, it's at Bo Rosser. That's me, the great Muda. After many weeks of pushing this episode off, we finally did it. I enjoyed it. The matches we picked were fucking awesome. Yeah, they were. With that said, what is wrestling this week, Mike? Wrestling is that fear sensation you get when you open your eyes and you can't see anything. Yeah. Wrestling is that feeling of, oh, I could see a minute ago, and now I have what basically feels like uh, an entire hive of wasps in my eyeballs. Yeah. And I can't, I can't fight, let alone... Could I, I mean, I can't see, let alone fight. Wrestling is that moment that we all know and we all have experienced where your eyeballs, something happens to an eyeball of yours mm. and immediate, and there is nothing more important than something that just happened to your eyeball yes. because you only have two of them and there is no way that you can defend your eyeball. I'm trying to do a blink defense. It's true you have eyelids, but if that one line of defense is broken through, it doesn't matter whether you're built like Lex Luger 
or whether you look like me and Bo. Wrestling is having your something attack your eyeball and feeling that feeling that every person on the planet can relate to. Yeah. What's wrestling for you, Bo? So glad you asked, Mike. Wrestling this week for me is clarity. Mm. When you're 11 years old and you're on a family trip with the Wooldridges in like Colorado somewhere. The Wooldridges and the Rossers are out at a camping trip. They're uh-huh. staying in like a condo. I forget the whole details of it. But it's about clarity. Because one morning you wake up and you can't open your eyes. <laughs> because Mike, look at the camera when I talk to tell you this. Yeah. Because at that moment, they're shut close by dry pus because you got pink eye somehow. Oh god. On vacation. Both of them? Both of them. Oh god, what? Just the... a thin layer of pus. Ugh. Dried up overnight and you can't open your eyes. Why? Oh my. And eventually you get medication and ointments and you're like, "Oh, clarity." <laughs> and then you get to play You remember those little handheld Little shitty arcade handheld games. Yeah. Tiger, the little tiger handhelds. Tiger handhelds, yeah. You could barely see this tiger, the Sonic the Hedgehog tiger handheld through your fucking poo-poo eyes (laughs) somehow. Oh, my God. And that's your vacation, but eventually your vision comes back. It's clarity, and that's what wrestling is. It's rubbing the pink eye from your diseased head one last time. Wow. One last time. Wow. Baby. Again. Wow. Baby, we did it again. Unbelievable. What a show. We thank you all for listening. We love you all. Congratulations, uh, KG Muto, on a fantastic career. (laughs) On what? I thought you were going to be like on the love. We love you all. Congratulations. You know, we love you. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Tope Suicido, What Wrestling Can Be, is a knit comedy co-op production and edited by Mike Whitman and Bo Baxter-Rosser. Thanks for listening.